Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about authenticity. Mm, This should be a big topic. (laughs) (laughs) So I have been recently exposed to the work of Joseph Pine, and I've been going really deep on a bunch of Seth Godin material. And I'm starting to starting to see uh, this concept of authenticity popping up over and over. And I think it's, I mean, obviously, you know, authenticity, it's pretty important. It's like character, you know, it seems like a basic, fundamental, positive attribute, you know, that you're authentic. But what does that mean? You know, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? And why is it good or bad? So these are the kinds of things uh, I'd like to talk about today. Is that, uh, does that sound like a good intro? Well, it does to me. <laughs> All right. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah. So to me, I feel like a little bit of a noob in with the actual term. I feel like a, a lot of the things that I describe to people and instruct them to do the actions that I instruct them to take result in authenticity, but I haven't spent a lot of time labeling it as such in the past. I feel, I think looking back on it, it just seems obvious that that's a good thing to have or to project. And I feel like it has a lot to do with consistency and not just in um, uh, cons- what kind of consistent consistency, consistency and keeping promises really. So whether that means saying you're going to release a podcast every week and actually doing it, or it means telling a client that you'll have a proposal to them by Wednesday and you actually do it, or saying that, uh, you know, saying on your website that you are focused on helping credit unions increase member engagement and and having that be your thing for a long time. I feel like all of these things are kind of like making a promise and keeping it, which feels to me like a source of authenticity. But like I said, I'm, I'm sort of new to labeling it in that way. I'm curious what you think. Well, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I'm with you on the last part of what you said. Um, I think to me, being authentic is about speaking truth that's consistent with who you are. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't keep promises, you could argue that keeping them would not be authentic. Um, it's it's really... <laughs> okay. I mean, right? I'm a promise breaker. That's authentic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm not of saying course. that would be good. That would be bad. But, but I think our audiences figure out pretty quick you know, whether we're, we're real or whether there's a bunch of artifice there. It's, it, I see it as, as this fine line between being authentic and then just letting it all hang out. You know, have you ever talked to somebody who says, oh, I want to be authentic. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. But it's not related to what they do and mm-hmm. who they are in that, uh, that I'll say, persona, that business. Um, yeah. It reminds me of the old George Carlin joke about, you know, he's like, he asked someone, why do you do cocaine? And the guy says, because it intensifies my personality. And Carlin's like, but what if you're a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's an interesting distinction. What's, what's the, like, is authenticity something that you can even think about? Is it, or is it, I mean, obviously it is, but it, what, what do you see as the difference between being authentic and just being a slob? <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, I mean, I I do branding work, obviously. And so what I like to do is take the real person, right? Because everything has to be based in truth and reality, or your audience figures it out really fast. And then you try to present 
the best version of yourself, right? It's you're authentic, but it's the best version. And that's where I come to your example of keeping promises. If you're not the kind of person that always keeps promises, then part of your brand had better not be about um, schedules and obligations and those things because it's false, you know? It's okay, fake. yeah, I see where you're going. So you would make a different promise. So maybe maybe the promise, well, I shouldn't put it like that. You, you project a different expectation which is that you are, um, I don't know, creative and innovative and all of these other things that maybe, um, I don't want to say don't need to be as reliable, but are less, are more inspirational and less uh, timeliney, I guess. Less, less I scheduled. Yeah. You know, although there's, you know, there's an aspect of creativity that does well with a schedule, but. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm struggling with it a little bit because it's, it's I, but I get what you're saying. So it probably, probably the, my impression of authenticity is projected from my personality and ah, could be, cause that's authentic be, for you. Right. And yeah. could be very different for someone else. Well, you know who I think of for some reason when it comes to being authentic and, and speaking truth, that's kind of consistent with who you are is, is Paul Jarvis. You know, I always think of him with his rats, right? <laughs> right. I, yeah. I mean, he talks about that he's won and lost fans over his pets, but they're part of who he is. And so to me, that's authentic. Now, you could choose not to make your rats part of your brand, and that could be authentic, provided you don't come out and say you hate rats, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's about having your message and your stories and your actions and your visuals represent the experience of working with you. Yes. So, okay. So that does kind of, so the experience of working with you is different than the experience of being married to you or going on a date with you even so <laughs> exactly so that's that's a good way to think about where to draw the line between what what would go into your branding to be authentic and what would you know in the stuff that you might leave out yeah so the private life business life kind of line in the sand well you know people look at this differently i mean i think there's there's a lot of different ways to do it i, I don't know if it's a line in the sand i mean for some people it is it's this is my work life and this is my home life and for other people particularly millennials there's a lot of of blending you know work and life is one thing so you know you might be working on your phone at something at night and you in the morning you might be off doing um i don't know doing yoga at nine o'clock in the morning so i i think i think it's you know, it's about how you find the balance for yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm reminded of another, another quote that I have ignored at my peril over the years, which is beware of all enterprises that require new clothes. Mm. And I just love that <laughs> because it's, it's just nails it. It nails it. Like if you find that you have to go out and buy new clothes for something you're going to do, that's a red flag to me because because of the you know obvious implications which is that why don't you have those clothes already you're, you're such a man and not a woman in that jonathan we like to have new clothes <laughs> okay fair enough but but if you're buying them specifically for a meeting let's say ah uh, yes so what that's a good point. where does you know what i mean yeah. like oh i got this new job i have to go out and buy a whole new wardrobe that's a bad sign maybe it's not a great job for you and maybe you're you know maybe you're just getting out of college and you're going into the workforce but it's, you know, and, and, and the line is beware. It's not, don't do it. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's, it's a flag. And when I've ignored it in the past, things haven't gone that great. Well, so, it, you know, the, the reason I'm struggling with that a little bit is because a lot of times when I work with clients, they, 
everybody has a brand. It's just a question of, you know, understanding what it is because it's what other people think about, about you, what they say about you when you're not there. And so a lot of times in the work that I do, we're finding that brand, but we're digging down to find it. And then once we have it, it's like, you know, the angels are singing, but then a lot of times they, speaking specifically about clothes, they don't have the right things to use, say, on their website if we're doing uh, photography. And it's we have to make sure that they're using colors that are consistent with the brand and that they have, you know, let's say it's a guy whose thing is having these cool glasses. Actually, I just filmed a video a couple of weeks ago with a guy who brought something like five different glasses. And he didn't go out and buy them. He had them. But it's, it's you know, weaving all that in. So sometimes it does require new clothes, but I think it shouldn't require, you know, an overhaul unless you've been really on the wrong road. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like all of a sudden I have to go out and buy a bunch of suits and all I have is t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel Or right. I suppose the reverse, who doesn't have t-shirts? But <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, would you, what, would you, what would you recommend? So, let, so let's say, you know, I am, well, we could use me as a case study because I'm kind of questioning uh, a, a branding or perhaps, perhaps just more general marketing move I made earlier in the year which was to, I got professional photography done and I kind of dressed up and I, you know, I put all of that stuff on my, uh, on my website for my credit union consulting. And I figured, eh, I'm going to look a little, I'm going to dress a little more conservatively than normal because, you know, we're talking about banking executives and, and in, in many cases, they are extremely conservative. And so now I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have dressed in my normal clothes that I would normally wear or that I would go to a meeting in. What and, would those be? Um, oh, business casual, but you know, like I threw on a jacket and I never wear jackets. Never, ever. Like funeral, that's it. Okay. So like what, even at meetings, I don't wear a jacket. So what would you wear? Like a, a collarless shirt or a collared shirt without a tie? Uh, no, like a button down probably. Okay. No tie. Okay. Never a tie. And like chinos, jeans, dress pants. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather wear jeans, nice jeans. Okay. You know, sort of like nice shoes, nice jeans, a nice shirt. It could be it could be a super fancy like polo or something. It's like a little hipper than than probably credit unions are looking for. But at the same time, what I'm pitching to them is change. So to right. so now that I'm looking back on it looking like a, I was like, oh, I want to look like a consultant. So I put on, you know, I put on the button down shirt with the jacket, like that's the consulting uniform. And now that I'm, now that we're talking about it, I'm like, you know, that was probably not smart. I don't know if, I don't know how it would, would translate to actual sales, but I do believe that, or, or trust building or any of that, but it would be a lot more authentic if I hadn't done that. It seems to me. Uh, potentially. But you're the expert. What do you think? Well, I think potentially it could be more authentic, but but here's the here's the challenge. And you know, there's always a fine line here. Um, the challenge is that they don't know you through your work because the things that you're doing on social media are all around like the audience for this podcast. So Well, not on LinkedIn though. On LinkedIn it's it's specifically for the for the credit union audience. Okay. All right. So but are you posting content for that audience there? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, I kind of, I would sort of walk this line between the two. I would either go completely in the other direction, you know, assuming that that's authentic to you and you're saying that it is, where it's sort of um, like Mark Zuckerberg-esque, where mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's sneakers and hopefully pressed clean t-shirts and jeans, <laughs> but you look like the new guy, you know, you walk in their office and they're like, oh, that's the mobile guy. 
right? Who's that guy? Yeah, exactly. And then, but the flip side is, and I do like your website. I mean, I think it's well done. I think the photos are good. You look professional, you look approachable, you look like someone you can trust. And so that becomes the question. There will be, and this is just my projection about credit unions. It's not an audience I know, but there will be people who are uh, afraid of change, uh, afraid to hire you, but they know they need you. And mm-hmm. if you can wear, you know, a little bit of their uniform, it's more comfortable for them. They may be quicker to pull the trigger. Um, right. But it's got. That was my thinking. Yeah. But it still has to feel like you. So if you have those pictures and then you walk into their offices in, you know, looking like Zuckerberg, that's not good. I mean, no, I totally agree. It, it's right. Yeah. It's about building trust. And it's that consistency that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So it- if you, I thought about this too. So on my site, there are a bunch of videos of me speaking at conferences about, you know, beyond the browser, beyond mobile, future tech. And like, I'm, I'm a change guy and it's scary for everyone. Change is scary for everyone, but it's, it's for people who are risk averse, which includes credit union executives. It's extra scary. But in all of those videos, I'm wearing basically the same thing, jeans, expensive boots, and a button down shirt of one kind or another, no jackets, no ties. Uh, jeans, mm-hmm. nice jeans, but jeans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, you're that I feel like watching video of someone in action is extremely persuasive. And, uh, you know, in terms of, no, I shouldn't say persuasive, but indicative of what it would be like to work with the person, yeah. you know, you're seeing them in a professional setting doing their job and, and for an hour, you know, it's, it's not like a small thing. So I don't know. I, I suppose I'm sort of, I suppose it's, you know, a sliding scale. I, I honestly, I now I'm like dying to go back and remove those suit coat pictures. <laughs> it feel, I feels like a fate now. I feel so phony now. <laughs> well, it's easy to do though. I mean, it's just yeah. you know, it's a photo shoot. Right. And um, you know what might be interesting, sorry, just for the hell of it, is is to do it and and look at the at the pictures. This sounds like we could do an episode on you, Jonathan. But I'd love to see them before you decide. And, um, and, you know, and, and look at them because the, if I remember rightly on your site, it's, it's, uh, there is a, a, a corporate element to it. I think you're at like a big table. Isn't there like a conference table or something? Uh, yeah. I'm next to a glass conference room. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, more formal than you're probably used to. So you could do a yin and yang where you have the formality of that room and you're more informal. It's, you know, that makes, it makes, uh, oh, images like more interesting but mm-hmm. it also kind of shows that you have these two sides. I mean, that's what, what I would go for in your in your credit union side is kind of blending both sides in a way that, you know, feels like you. Yes, that's that's more what it would be like. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to walk in totally like hoodie like Zuckerberg. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm not going to look like everybody who works there. That's for sure. Right. And I think that's a good thing because it projects what's going to happen, which is I'm going to give them some things to think about that they're not used to. So, okay. That, and I, but I love juxtaposing it with an environment that they're familiar with. It would look a lot less stock photo-y too, because I feel like it's like stock photo. <laughs> well, plus I think when you're in, um, when you're in more casual clothes, you want to still have gravitas in that. And I, I just picture that you would have gravitas no matter what you do. I mean, but it's about, it's about the pose. It's about the background. It's about the expression on your face, you know, your eyes, your, you know, your smile or lack thereof people. I mean, they just get this instant impression when they, when they look at that. Yep. Yes. You get about two seconds to make that impression. Mm -hmm. If that, 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's half of that time's the page loading. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully only half. Oh. So how do you think about the, You just redid your website. How do you think about this in your own, in your own work? Well, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I did just read you my website and um, and I was challenged in part because I had this vision that it was going to be, you know, pretty clean and I like things organized. I like them to be neat. And the website came out full of color. <laughs> one one might say riotous color because I use, um, you know, a, a red that, that has some pink in it and some orange. And I just loved it. And, and, and it was really, it came down to, that's me. I love color. I like using color. Now that doesn't mean I use it with every client project, but for me, it's, it's me. And the pictures, the images, um, most of them are taken on the streets of of LA and the arts district. So you'll see um, street art basically behind me, which I mean, I, I love, um, and it's part of, I wouldn't say street art is part of who I am, but art and design are important to me. So, and it's, you know, got that little LA feel, which I thought was important. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I, I just think that you make decisions on what pages to have on your site, what images to use, what words to say based on what feels like you. Um, I'm in the midst of, of redesigning a website for a client and we've got the copy approved and the designers put everything together and now the developer has everything and is working on it. And what, what will happen, I can almost guarantee, is the developer will have the, the first draft put up and all of a sudden the client looks at that, sees the images and sees the copy together and then will wind up changing something. Even even if everything is exactly what we said it was going to be, the images are approved in advance, the copies approved in advance, really the developer is just putting the experience together. It will change because the minute you kind of see it in neon lights, you know what feels like you and what doesn't. Yeah. And when, when you're looking at the individual pieces, it's like asking someone if this nose is attractive in absence of the face. It, it doesn't, it, it's really hard for people to, who aren't in the biz to like, okay, that, yeah, that picture looks good. Or yeah, that copy sounds good. But when you put it together, all of a sudden you've got the whole, like you said, experience. And, and it, it, I, I have had the same experience, which is that people often when they see it assembled are like, Oh, wait a second. <laughs> Oops. I didn't know it was going to be like that. Yeah. And, and I get that a lot because, um, a lot of, we're talking about personal branding now is that a lot of it is we're using, um, photographs of them. And so it feels different when it's your name on the door and your face on that side. And I've had clients cry. And I remembered there was like sobbing on the other end. And I thought, oh my God, this is, this is bad. Well, it turns out she was so happy. She said, mm-hmm. I had no idea that I could look this good and my message could sound this good, even though she'd seen everything in advance. But seeing it together was this you know, experience for her. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's yeah, it makes it personal. real. Yeah. And the other piece is, you know, it's that, that quote from, I forget who, you know, who am I to think this big, you know, when you, when yeah. you, we've talked about the big idea, well, all of a sudden, if you've never said it and now you're splashing it across your website, along with your pictures and your, um, your copy about what you're doing about this, you can have that. Oh, oh my God moment. What have I just mm-hmm. done? And, and can I press the button? to publish. Right. Sort of imposter syndrome creeps in or, or just the fear of like, wow, I'm putting something big into the world. Yeah. But that's all about being authentic. All of that mm-hmm. is. 
So here's the thing. I, I wonder if it's because of the, these are personal brands we're talking about. You know, this that's that's a big focus of this particular show. But I do other shows in consulting that are that are a little bit more. Mm, what's the word? Tactical, I guess, or or more sales pagey, more more. Um, I want to say practical, but that's not the right word. But here's the here's the thing that I'm wondering about. Like, is when you're in a situation where you've got this big idea and you want to create a website, and like what we're talking about, authenticity. It's very it's the the activities that you engage in to express the authenticity that we've been talking about so far are very me focused. And I feel like that, and I often, I often find that people, when they have a website, it's like a resume. It just talks about, you know, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. I have these 10 skills and I focus on these hundred things and I can do all of these things for you. Do you want to hire me? And they don't, they don't talk about the customer really at all or the client at all on the site. Mm -hmm. And they don't, there's nothing there. It's, it's like left to the reader to connect the dots between the skills that this person possesses and what change that they might be able to make in your business. So I, I find my, since that's so common, I find myself constantly being like, would you take yourself off of the website? You don't even need your name on there. Just talk about your client, your ideal client, talk about their problems, their dreams, you know, and then talk a little bit about how you can fix that for them or how you can uh, capture that opportunity or whatever, how you can address this concern, perhaps what's different about you than the other alternatives that you might be considering. And don't really talk about yourself that much, certainly way, way less. Mm -hmm. So it feels a little bit like the kind of personal branding thing, you know, you, you saying that you loved your site and you're a little bit surprised because you were expecting maybe it would be a little cleaner or more organized and less riotous color wise, <laughs> but, but you loved it. But does it matter that you loved it? Is it like, where's the line between who cares if you loved it? You're not your client, right? Are you kind of depending on the notion? And I think this is kind of what we are saying. I think what we're kind of saying is, is if I love it, then the kind of clients I want to help will love it. So sort of like if I can put out this authentic version of, you know, you know, you in front of street art and you with the colors that you love and it just all makes sense. And it gives this because it does give a your site, even the, you know, the new one uh, gives a feeling of your personality. Like, I feel like it's very consistent with your personality. And I wonder, like, how does that fit together with this other concept or, or is it just two different things of, you know, where is the where is the where's your buyer on your website? Is it in the copy, in the headlines, in the, you know, where are they? I, I think that's a great question. And I, I think it varies for, for everyone. But the way I look at it, whether it's my site or a client site, is the buyer is in the circle. You know, when, when we're putting together a brand brief, the buyer is, it's very clear because we have, uh, oh, and we put up uh, an example of the client avatar worksheet in one of the earlier episodes. So you can create those for yourself pretty, pretty easily. It's who is that buyer? What are they looking for? And how, and, and on one side, and then how do you express what they're looking for on the other side? So uh, we'll use mine as an example, just because it's easy. It's um, my, my ideal client um, runs a business typically, you know, six figures up to about 25 million. And they typically don't want, again, we're talking about my best client. They typically don't want somebody who's just going to come in and tell them about brand in terms of visual brand. 
Um, they're not interested in that. Sometimes they've even had a bad experience before. What they want is somebody who understands their business and can translate it into something um, visual, tactile, uh, an ex a client experience. And so my site should look like that. Um, and for someone who looks at that site and goes, oh my God, I need something like your, your, um, the example you use with mobile, I need something more conservative and more, that's not going to be a good client for me. They're not going right. to push any boundaries and I'm going to frustrate them and vice versa. So mm -hmm. it's, you always have to have the client in there. And maybe the, you know, there is a type of site like the one you mentioned earlier, that's like a billboard site. And that's usually with people, I'm working with somebody like that now who they have all the work they can handle, literally. And so uh, this person, you know, up decided to update their site once every 10 years, which is crazy in our world, but, but they don't need more than that from their perspective because it's all relationships and they just need a kind of a placeholder slash billboard. Even right. then, you're still you're still writing and creating or curating images for the person you want to attract. Mm -hmm. I just think if you go too far away from what you believe in your style to fit an audience, then there's going to be some kind of a mismatch there. Right. And those mismatches are where you lose trust, where where when you're not consistent. People and they, I don't even know that they would articulate it this way. And that you know, eight seconds that they're on your site, there's something they don't like, right? And they leave. Mm -hmm. While you were explaining that, it's sort of uh, your particular uh, customer avatar. It occurs to me that even though you know we're talking about the authenticity and it's sort of me focused, the people you work with, maybe through your work or before they even started working with you, are very clear on their big idea and what the changes that they're trying to make. So in a sense, their personality, their, their, their whole, their whole being is oriented around making this change for someone. So it's, so it, it I would imagine that it becomes, cause it's kind of like this on your site, it's infused throughout, even though you made a lot of decisions based on your own personal taste and not necessarily the taste of your ideal client, even though it's in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, cool. All right. Well, I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm talking myself out of working with credit unions because like as we're, <laughs> as we're talking about this, I'm like, oh, man, you know, uh, it's they're just so change averse and the thing I'm selling is change. And it's like, wow, I, I, I definitely picked uh, I'm playing on hard mode. That's for sure. Well, that's, you know, it's one of the things you think about when you decide on your audience. It's you know, one of the things I say to people sometimes is, you know, you can look at all the things you're good at, but just remember, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. That sometimes there, there are skills and talents that we have that you just want to kick to the curb. Like, yeah, right. I mean, I'm really good dealing with, with fighting partners, right? In a consulting firm. And, you know, is that the kind of business I want to go after? No, not really. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I really don't. And so, you know, I don't, I don't talk about that much, but yeah. I I, have, I feel like I've, we did like a <laughs> did like a a consultation here. I, I've like <laughs> now all of a sudden I want to change a few things about my website. I'm like, oh, okay, I need just another photo shoot. Let's go ahead and do this. Focus down on particular. Okay, I, it's just tweaks, Jonathan. Just tweaks. It, yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. I think there's a lot of. I mean, my site is just, there's just tons of content. We don't need to talk about my site anymore, but it, it's, it's, uh, I mean, you're making me think, which hopefully is making 
the dear listener think. Let's hope so. <laughs> yes. All right. Is there anything else we should say about authenticity? It looks like we're getting a little long on time. Um, I, I think just maybe just one thing that kind of strikes me is that it, the what you really want to do, what we all need to do is match up the experience of working with us to everything. I mean, and when I say everything, I mean the website, your social media profiles, uh, when you're on a podcast, um, when you're, you know, in person or on the phone or on Skype with a client, it's it's matching all of that up so that they're getting a consistent experience. And by consistent, I just mean that it feels the same. So mm-hmm. and one way to think about that is what are the, and this, a lot of people don't like thinking about it this way, but what are the feelings that you create in your client and the positive ones, because those are the things that are going to make them buy, that are going to make them connect with you to retweet your stuff. It's that feeling. And, you know, we may use all sorts of other things to justify a sale or, or not, or a purchase or not making a purchase. But at the end of the day, it's how we make people feel. And if we can do that in an authentic, you know, kind of pure, transparent way, I mean, it's like catnip to your ideal audience, <laughs> right? We all want to be with that person. We want to hear more from them. Right. And that's where you'll do your best work because you attract these people that that get it. They get you. They want what you have to offer and you sort of off to the races. And it feels so good. You know, when you find that ideal tribe, your sweet spot, it's you just sit, sit back and go. And, and I'm not saying you don't have, you know, challenges on the work, but you sit back and say, you know what? This is a great client for me. I've done great work for them. They're really pleased. I've made a difference in their lives. I've transformed something for them. You know, it's it's a feel good. Mm-hmm. I got a present in the mail today from a student. <laughs> it was like, it's the best. It's just the best. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Could not agree more. That's it. All right. Well, let's leave it there for this week. We hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye.